<laughs> Always good. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do some like uh, warm ups, vocal warm ups. Can't even say hi. Bapiti, yeah. bapiti. <laughs> You're listening to Leader FM, a weekly talk show for intelligent leaders and executive coaches reaching for the next level. Leader FM is hosted by executive coach Dr. Scott Francis and marketing media man Tony Creech. This episode of Leader FM is brought to you by Advanced Leadership Coaching and TheCreechLeague.com. This week on Leader FM, Dr. Scott and Tony talk about how critical it is for leaders to do delegation well, how to leverage the entire delegation spectrum, and key obstacles to remove for success. Hello world, you're listening to episode 7. Dr. Scott and I are here and excited to talk leadership and we know that you're ready for the next level, so let's dive in. It's good to chat with you, Dr. Scott. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Tony. Good to be with you. Hey, good to have you. It's the Christmas season. Your days be merry and bright. So, you know, Christmas time means that one of two things I think is going to happen here, Scott. Okay. We're either going to have this episode and then a two-week break or so, or we're going to have two or three episodes ready to go. It all depends on, actually, not on Christmas, but on the fact that my wife is having a baby. Yeah. You guys are in the zone, aren't you? Yeah. We're in the last days. Like the last days <laughs> before the apocalypse. <laughs> Poor baby apocalypse kind of takes you out like a bomb. Oh, it you're does. Like, yeah. You're just gone for a couple months. At least the way we have kids, which is, I am very engaged. I'm like the birth coach there. <laughs> and we, since we have it, we have a little child. I think we do. Uh, <laughs> little Annika. She's, she's a little crazy. Love her. And I don't know what that's going to be like, baby having a newborn and a little kid. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I remember <laughs> our we have two as well. And our our guy was two when, when the second one came. And he had got everything figured out. And then when baby came, he regressed. Uh, mm. a, a whole bunch of things that he had learned, he unlearned. He finally <laughs> figured it out again. But uh, I think his world was just as rocked as ours was. <laughs> but my wife was a champion through that. She did awesome. Uh, I can't think of a joke, Scott. So this section so is going to have to I'll end. So, so here, Tony, when, like, when it's on, when you guys are in full labor, are you going to be tweeting? <laughs> Keeping us informed? She's at I'm six. Actually, yeah. She's at seven centimeters now. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm such a media person, people assume, I guess, oversharing from me because of that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but really, I, I, I take it... I try to be extremely thoughtful about how I approach media in general and extremely critical of it. And I, there's lots and lots of times in my life that I just keep completely detached from the digital world, mm. not because the digital world is negative and unhealthy in and of itself, but because in order for me to be healthy, I think for any of us to be healthy, we need to put the camera down or put the phone away right. and uh, just live life. Like if you're seeing some great Vista, like sometimes like when I was backpacking through these mountains in China, I just had a camera, but didn't take the picture because that one was for me. And there's something intentional mentally about just soaking in something. And so with labor, there's parts of it that will bring out the camera and there's parts of it that might be tweeted, but a lot of it's going to just be me and and my ability to enjoy it is going to be in me <laughs> saying this is us. <laughs> and I know you're laughing. Well, yeah, because about, about half the world just, just rolled their eyes when you said the word enjoying labor. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be terrible. My wife, It's going to be horrible for my wife too, but there's a, I, I, I guess I don't, I don't mean joy to be pure happiness and 
joy isn't living without pain. Joy is uh, meaning in pain. Yeah. Being, being fully present. Yeah. As opposed to uh, being behind a, a lens. Yeah, I get it. Which brings us to a little bit of follow-up. Uh, a listener who does not want to, who did not give us permission to share their name wrote in and said that in our version of leadership, that it, leaders must have lots of extra time to spare developing all these leadership skills. Mm. I actually was, you know, wanting to just affirm you and say, yes, it actually does take extra time. Actually, extra time is everything in leadership. Really, it's, it's why it's so, I think it's why it's so crazy important for us to be working on all of this leadership stuff, quote unquote, because um, when you're the manager or higher, when you're a VP or when, you know, when you're the leader, it does require, you don't, you don't get to do just what, you don't get to show up and get your orders and work. You, you have to spend some extra time. And because of that, the fact that it takes extra time, that's, I mean, that's why I would argue leadership development is so important. Mm. How, how do you respond to that, Scott? No, I, you know, I agree. I, I, I totally get the, the tension though, because we've definitely got very busy lives. Um, so the, the real magic is finding if you've only got 20 minutes, uh, to, to, if you want to call it quality time, you know, that that you actually invest that in, in personal development and, and, you know, that deeper part of your, your soul, uh, which then comes out in your leadership. Um, but I think, you know, you're, you're totally right though, in saying we need to carve that kind of space out. Um, you know, Tony, I just, uh, yesterday I was reading some Rollo May, uh, and there was this one, one bit that jumped out at me. I, I, let me read it to you. The emptiness within corresponds to an apathy without and apathy adds up in the long run to cowardice. Mm. So I think if we neglect our inner life, it will work itself out in how we lead and and lots of times we will be the cowards that don't have those conversations that we need to have uh, or or we give in um and a lot of it has to do with that our inside is is shallow or weak Hmm. you don't get any more hours when you become a leader so you have to be very intentional about how you spend them Mm -hmm. and you feel it i had a day the other day where I just needed to make, I, I needed to make sure I got up early and I couldn't slack off and I needed to do my morning time prep. And that made, that made the day possible. And without that, I, I would be a terrible leader. It just, that's just the way it is. So, so, yeah. I think also like, there's, there's that whole self-categorization, which I, I talk a lot about. Um, mm. When we, when we categorize the type of, of soul food that, that we can consume, as as weak um then we're going to keep feeding ourselves pablum um mm. you know kudos to the pablum makers out there that's what babies need but but as we grow up we need to start reading and consuming uh ideas and thoughts and and um activities that are at that deeper personal level um mm. it, you get what i'm saying there i'm saying like like the last thing we want to do is if we've just been promoted, if we're, we're in a leadership role to still be thinking and acting like children who roll their eyes at something like Shakespeare, uh, you know, Shakespeare and, and some of the poetry and, and some of the, the harder philosophical books on leadership. Um, these were written for people uh, that are wiser, smarter, sharper. And when we, 
convince ourselves that that's not us, then we're going to, we're going to waste that 20 minutes on something petty and shallow. Mm. Instead, if we say, no, I am now, I have permission and I have the capacity to go deep, then go for it. You know, oh, there, I said it again. There's a, if you want to go, <laughs> if you want to go deeper. <laughs> well, you know, you know, this leadership thing is important because no matter how your company feels like you just need to focus on getting things done and ignore this quote unquote leadership mumbo jumbo, really people are involved unless it's you and a bunch of machines and you're the only other guy besides the machines and you're writing code to like run the machines. Heck, even then there's you involved. People are involved in business. Yeah. And so people are always a factor and these things matter a lot to people. On Sunday, you know, I'm a first responder. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a, I had a call, uh, and, uh, it was a long call. I was not expecting it. It, and it, it suddenly took a turn for the worse. And, um, I can't get into it uh, because of confidentiality, but it was one of those ones that, that, um, you know, the individual didn't make it. Um, and it, it's left me reflecting quite a bit about, about life and, mm. and what, what it's all about meaning and, and just to make sure that at every step, it's not just about making money or about, uh, the shallower things, you know, um, having fun and whatnot, which is, that's great, but it's about enjoying the journey and, and living a life that is, that is one you can look back on with pride. Mm. Yeah. So, and I think you're, you're totally right. When, when we think of the people around us as machines, then, you know, it's, it's not, not necessarily a life to be proud of. Yeah. I, my birthday is coming up in a oh, yeah. few days here. Birthday and baby and Christmas. Oh, what a month. <laughs> but I get awfully reflective around on my birthday. It's, that's my type, my birthday type. And so okay. I'll, it'll be important for me to pick up some of our mental models. The ones we talk about, the other ones that I use to help keep my brain mm. on po- on positive and helpful reflection paths and not on negative spiral kind of reflection paths that right. <laughs> life can be. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how to end this section. Happy. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think a, a huge part of it is exactly how you said it is, is making the choice to, to come at life with the excitement of the journey. Mm. Um, you know, it's not the destination. I, I love that one quote. People say, I'd, I'd rather come into the end of life screaming in sideways saying, wow, that was such a ride as opposed to getting there safely, you know, and uh, just thankful that nobody got hurt in the process mm. kind of thing. Um, you know, going through life and at the end of it, we can say that was awesome. Mm. Let's do it again. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the short version of the idea can sound flimsy. This idea of it's the journey, not the destination, but it's, it works because of the, the longer meaning. The longer meaning is that, you know what, wherever you are was a destination before, but now it's just today and you're moving on to some other place. And so when you arrive at that quote unquote destination, you'll just be journeying more. And so if you wait to be happy there, 
you won't be because we're not, we're not happy in destinations. We're happy in today. We're happy on the journey. Mm. Happy in the journey. As creatures, we're just always moving and we're always journeying. We're never not journeying. And so today is never not a journey day. Uh, And that joy and stuff happens today. Not when you, because when you arrive, you're just going to be on a step of a totally different journey. If you get that big job, if you, you know, land that big sale, it's just a step on the next part of your journey. And if you weren't happy for three weeks leading up to there, happiness doesn't just magically, magically come. It's fought for every day in the trenches. I'm sounding dramatic. <laughs> there you are. That's sounding good. But you know what? You're, you're, the one thing I love about that, that way of looking at it is pity the person who doesn't have a journey right now. Mm. You know, something that you're working on, something that you're striving for, something that uh, if there is no story to life mm. right now, uh, there is, you're probably just not paying attention to yeah. it. And I don't mean that it needs to be huge. Like you don't need to be... Hmm fighting the bigger and better game necessarily, but there needs to be a little story arc. Yeah. And when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you can say, I, I accomplished something today. I I progressed a little bit in that story. Yeah. And making the, making the shift so that your goals aren't the thing that make you happy where it's like every day I'm unhappy until I achieve this goal. That's, that's Mm. not the kind of goal I'm taught. I talk about, I like even thinking about those goals should be burnt. It's the kind, it's the kind of, it's still a journey, but it's not a, I'm unhappy unless this happens. If you're doing that, you're not necessarily setting goals in a positive way. Which brings me to kind of something I wanted to talk to you about, Scott. Okay. Not necessarily goal setting, but so when you have a goal, but then you take it and you need a put it out to a team. I've had a great conversation this last week uh, with uh, a business partner of mine on uh, delegation because in my own reflection times, I was reflecting on how I need to change a bit of the way I'm delegating right now because um, delegating is so different in smaller businesses like I'm in now than when I was a vice president at a bigger place like my my last job where that like my entire job was delegating really almost and when it gets more mixed, especially in these, uh, in my, my present context, it's just a very different game. And so I need, mm. so I needed to spend some time rethinking how delegation works in my present context and with my present people. Wanted to chat with you a little bit about that whole delegation framework. That's something you chat about in your executive sessions. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, just thinking back, or I bet you I've talked about this with 90 to 95% of my clients. Mm. Um, it, it almost always comes up. Um, and it, it'll come up when they're, they're wrestling with that there's too much on their plate or that the job has scaled up or they're trying to do something and they just don't have, they don't have the resources personally to make things happen. Uh, it also comes up when, when they're frustrated with their people. Mm. And uh, so we invariably get into this. And we get into some of the, the psychological blocks that happen that keep us from delegating. And then, um, and then like a script or a way of actually doing it. So it's actually quite a practical conversation. And I've seen this um, with some of my clients. I would say that this conversation is, is the one that they've had the most return on investment with. Yeah. So yeah, it's worth getting into if you want with, with this it's podcast. Like- 
if do, do we even need to ask the question of why delegation is important, but maybe we should give, give me some examples of, of that you use to, to talk about why, why uh, honing your, the way you delegate is important. Like it affects mm-hmm. several things. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think this is part of the psychology of it. Um, you know, it's for a lot of people, delegation is one of those things that's on the back burner of their to-do list. You know, I'll get around to this once I clear all these other things off. And once we're not so busy, then I'll start to do that. But, you know, um, what it does, though, is it allows your organization and, and the people underneath you to scale up what you're accomplishing. Until you start really delegating well, you yourself are kind of the bottleneck for your department uh, in what you're going to be able to accomplish. So, and, and the reality is once you start like, like a farmer, once you start adding more land or like a, an accountant, once you start adding more clients, there's only one way to grow and that's by adding more people underneath you. Uh, so you, you have to delegate if you're going to scale. Mm. Uh, a really great thing about delegation is that it develops the people that are around you. Um, and uh, it, it's a big part of succession planning. So my... My uh, fire chief in, in one of the other towns that I, I work out of, he will intentionally leave for three weeks on holidays. Like, so he doesn't, he doesn't do the five days away and then back, and he doesn't take his phone with him. He completely leaves the hall with the intention that he's leaving the deputy chiefs in charge. And, and as a result, he comes back and yeah, there's a few messes here and there and whatnot, but, but they felt the weight of leadership for a while, for a short while. And it gives, it gives that succession planning place somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you, what, what is easy for you when you first took it on, wasn't necessarily easy. And so when you are able to um, push that to your people, uh, give them one of your, what to you is a small ball is to them going to be a big ball. you know, a big thing on their plate. Uh, But when you give that to them, all of a sudden their muscles are going to get stronger and they have, they have to work with that. Mm. And that's uh, a critical part of testing employees, confirming them. That's how they grow. And you want Mm. them to grow because if they grow, they do more stuff and you want them, if they work underneath you to do more stuff, because then you make more moolah. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, I think we, we oftentimes, we oftentimes just, we're, we're getting stuff done. And so it's, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't necessarily want to push anybody any further, but really as managers, we want to make sure that, that we're being stretched and that our people are being stretched annually. Now, what, and, and you got to kind of decide what that is for your people. You don't want it to be too much. Like maybe a 20% stretch is too much. You know, and some people are trying to stretch them 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if they haven't stretched in a long time, that's maybe a good idea. But I think at least 5 to 10% a year stretching. And, and, you know, they may say, I have no room on my plate for anything more. Well, you know, six months from now or a year from now, they will have developed the strength and capacity that there is room. And, and uh, you want to slowly be developing people by delegating mm. to them. And you know that the two evil sides or dark angels of delegation is the one, the guy who doesn't, who just 
tells you to do something and you have no idea how they want it done or anything. And the boss who kind of leaves you in the dark and wants you to do all this stuff and then comes back and criticizes whatever you end up doing and inventing in the dark, criticizes it in all these ways you had no idea were criteria. And the other dark angel would be the micromanager, which is just to say somebody who isn't delegating and who is maybe gives you the tasks to do, but hangs over you and doesn't even let you fail. And I, and I guess part of the delegation has to do with how you, we could go down a lot of roads here and go down the failure road and, but I'll try to stay out of that and just stick to delegating. (laughs) Well, why don't we, why don't we get it? Like, let's talk about the recipes for failure, uh, a little bit later in it because uh, you're totally right that those are some of the things um, if you want to call them the dark angels people have said I, I am good at delegating and they're not all they're doing is firing and forgetting they don't delegate but they hand stuff over and so they're, they're they think they're mm-hmm. delegating but they're really not they're really not helping the person succeed they're just like well I gave him that project to do he didn't do it to my standards so I, th- so I fired him but they really didn't yeah. delegate so what, like, maybe we should sp- maybe speak a bit, Scott, to both those angels. Then on the on the guy who doesn't delegate, why often do they not delegate? I think there is a psychological barrier mm. there. They may have tried. They they did something in the past. They dumped it on somebody uh, and thought it was delegation when it was just dumping, um, and it went sour. And so then they just say delegation doesn't work. Uh, you know, I know other people might do it, but it doesn't work for me or. Not, they just they just psychologically get this barrier mm. that keeps them from from trying it. Um, you know, they may say it's easier to do it myself. Um, you know, I think I think lots of times people would say I could delegate, but it's going to take me two hours to teach this person how to do this when I can do it in fifteen minutes. So I'll just do it. Mm. You know, I think another excuse, if you want to say, is that like you were saying, it's not done to that person's standards. Mm. Particularly in the DISC personality, if they're, if they're um, a very conscientious type of individual, they're going to have some almost um, off-the-charts standards. Not just that it's done, but that the font is perfect and that the columns line up perfectly, right? Not just that you got the right number at the end of the, yeah. of the spreadsheet. <laughs> so as a result then... When someone's not hitting these standards, the, the delegator might just say, you know, forget this. I, I can't trust anybody. No one's good enough. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do it myself. Mm. Um, I, think, I think they might also say, they just might look at that person and say, they're just not ready for this. This is, this is something that needs a clutch player and they're not a clutch player yet. So no, I can't give it to them. Mm. Then I think even on the other side, you've got, you've got someone who's really empathetic and they may say, you know, I don't want to delegate because that job is crappy or it's boring. You know, and I, I wouldn't want to do it, so I'm not going to give it to someone else to do. So I guess I'll do it because I don't want them to have to deal with it. Right? <laughs> if you've not delegated well in the past and people do something you don't like, you become disappointed in them regardless of you communicating with them how you wanted it done. Then you don't delegate to them because you think they're not good enough to do it, but it was your fault because you didn't tell them what you wanted. And yeah. it, and it, there's always, like, if you don't take the, the small opportunities to delegate and test, you don't have the confidence in handing them bigger projects. That's why yeah. it's part of a, 
need to be part of a system. Like anytime you're overlooking somebody, you should be delegating something to them so that you can grow. And there are systems. I'm not saying I don't fail at this, but <laughs> thinking as we're talking about this, I'm like, oh man, I need, I need to do, did I, did I delegate that properly? Yeah. I, oftentimes, and I know I've really failed at this and too, is I look and I see, you know, that person that I delegated the job to, they really dropped the ball. Um, if I was to really look back, honestly, I would probably discover that I dropped the ball when it came to how I delegated. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of our key recipes of failure, Scott, that you see when people fail to delegate? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it corresponds, I think, to what you want to do as a template. Mm. Um, right off the bat, I think when you've got unclear roles, what, like I'm giving you this, this job here, uh, are, you know, you haven't clarified though, is this, are you now the, the key go-to guy or are you just the guy who's going to go in there and clean up the mess or are you just the person who's going to make the decision or are you making a recommendation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is, what is your role with this project? There are many levels. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too often we just say, I, I need you to get in there and, and make it better. So I'm delegating you this. Well, that the person doesn't know what success is going to be defined as. Yeah. It's a, it's a classic you know. kind of a TV show style thing where somebody delegates something to somebody who then becomes like the captain of the world and starts annoying, but <laughs> yeah. now they're in charge and you're like, wait a minute. I wanted you to, I yeah. wanted you to go collect data from your peers. I didn't want you to like start ordering them around and dominate them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So then that, like that gets in, I think another recipe is when you don't have clear expectations or deliverables. Mm. So, you know, success for this will be defined as delivering X number of widgets, uh, on this date, uh, with this, with this budget, you know, Mm. um, when we just say, just get in there and fix it. Um, you need to even define what fixing means. Mm -hmm. If you're unclear with what fixing means, they may have an entirely different idea of what fixing means. They just might go in and fire a bunch of people and they say it's fixed. And that's the last thing you wanted, you know? <laughs> so you got you to make that really clear. Um, the next thing you want to uh, make sure is that you're not unclear when it comes to boundaries. Mm. You know, this, this project that I'm giving you, don't, don't take more than five hours on it. You know, how much time, how much money can they can they spend? If you're going to go over budget, you know, talk to me about it or, um, don't use more than this many people on it. And, and when you define those boundaries, you're also making sure that there's a bit of permission given because that can be unclear too. Yes. You know, does, do you, you have the permission to do this and this and this. Um, I remember working with some clients, uh, uh, about, about, you know, someone taking over a new, pretty major role. And the question I asked was, do you have permission to fire somebody? Uh, as they were trying to work out their roles and they didn't, they didn't know at that point. And that conversation, they went back then and talked to their boss about it. And at that point that made a real, it, it really helped to, um, identify what permissions they had mm-hmm. in, in that role. So that's the thing you could say, you have permission to do this and this, you have permission to spend this kind of money here. As long as you go, you know, 
put your receipts in here and there. And um, without that, oftentimes people are going to hold back or they're going to go too far. Right. And then mm. and here's maybe, here's one of the, one of the most powerful pieces. And it's, it's that we're unclear about our accountability structure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, you can say, I, I want you to, uh, take this and this here. Now, how are you going to report back on this? Are you going to have them email you, a uh, a status, uh, you know, every two days, are you going to have them just just deliver it two months from now and it's just there and you're not going to check in on them at all. That's that fire and forget piece. Yeah. When you have those accountability uh, touch-ins at some, you know, at multiple points throughout the project, you are making sure that it's getting done. And it also has a way when you're doing that, it, it's, it inoculates the fire and forget, but it also inoculates the um, micromanaging. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because the micromanager, what they're doing is they're, they're so unsure about this person, they're doing the accountability all the way along. And, and um, if you build it in that, that you know, you're going to touch base once a day or say it's, you know, once a day for the first week and then after that it's going to be once every second day and then it's going to back off until you, you get to a place where you're comfortable. What that does, again, is the micromanager, they know that, they, they come in, they check, and then they back out and, and give this person the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a inverse ladder for, for, for people in situations where they haven't gotten clarity, like in terms of managing up to go to their boss to say, hey, what are my permissions? Mm-hmm. At all yeah, levels of point. the company, you always have someone above you, whether it's a board or whatnot. And going back and being clear about your boundaries, accountability, your role, is important. Yeah. So you can use yeah. this as a, you know, to work backwards. If you feel like you're in a position where you don't have clarity around what you're doing or a project you're working on. And, and, uh, to be fair, your boss may not be familiar with, with, you know, this structure or way of thinking about it. Um, don't get too upset about that. You know, just, just casually mention, um, Okay, uh, you want me to do this? Just so I'm clear, am, am I allowed to do this or that? Or if not, that's I'm I'm fine one way or the other. You're the boss, but I just need to know what what permission I have. Yeah, and and Scott, if in terms of pain and payout, this delegation thing matters because not of the pain of taking 15 minutes to like it takes extra time to go back to our follow up. It takes extra time for you instead of doing a task to stop and hand that task off to someone else. That might take a little bit more time, but if you do it and if you do it right, I mean, it takes time to think about, Oh man, am I giving them proper permissions and boundaries and expectations? If you do it, what you get out of it is somebody who's been affirmed. Mm-hmm. Then you have somebody who mm-hmm. you handed something to, they got it done. And if you, if I can think about the times where I've handed over stuff and didn't give the right clarity and they were either smart enough to come back and check with me or they didn't come back and they did it wrong and it was on me. Like it's there people, there's a lot of second opportunities that people are ready for out there where you give them clarity so that they can succeed. Yeah. It, when, when they look at system dynamics within organizations, we often will um, 
want to use an aspirin to solve a headache. You know, so we're having problems. So it's easier for me to just do it as opposed to delegating and teaching. It only takes me 15 minutes. But the aspirin isn't solving the chronic problem. You know, it may be that the, the reason we keep getting headaches is because of, you know, we're using the wrong glasses or, you know, we're, we're, we need to change our posture or Get dental work you know, done. So sure. <laughs> what, and, and so the solution is, it takes longer and is more expensive than the aspirin. Um, and that's the same with delegation. It's, it's easier for us to just do it, but in the long run, we solve the, the systemic problem by taking the long route and, and teaching and delegating and, and going through these expectations because in the end, you're going to be much further ahead. But it does take time. So here's the, here's the biggest problem, I think. The biggest problem when, when you're trying to delegate is when you're thinking binary, you know, where that's either or, it's black or white. Um, so you could be thinking... Either this person can do it or they can't do it when it comes to the job. Or you may think, I can either trust this person or I can't trust them. You know, and then you, you can almost like have these knee-jerk reactions where you just say, and if I can't trust them, then I have to fire them. And we keep going through people, you know. And, um, and really, a, a better way of looking at it is, is um, actually, you remember the situational leadership model? Yep. Yeah, so, so what that does, if you haven't, uh, if your listeners aren't familiar with it, it, has, it starts off with the idea of the learning curve. You're always going to come in and your competency is going to be low. And over time, you're going to start to learn and that curve will go up until you eventually reach a point where you're very competent and capable. And every single person goes through this curve on every new project. Now, the, the longer you've been in, uh, the faster that curve can, can grow. Yeah the more you understand certain mm-hmm. things. But, but I think too often, someone who's delegating will look at someone and they're in the beginnings of those curves. And they'll say, yeah, this person is just not ready. And they think either or, and so they don't give them anything. They don't delegate a thing. And so the person is just sitting there watching them. You know, so they, they, never, they never get a chance to carry the ball. And they're just watching from the sidelines the whole time. And some people, they just get labeled that in their organization. And so they never get an opportunity to train and to learn and to prove yeah. because they've been sidelined. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the reason they're sidelined is because um, we think either they should be on the court or not. Yeah. Either um, or. When in reality. Yeah. Either or. When in reality, when it comes to delegation, there is, you want to think of it much more like a spectrum. It's not, I can delegate or not, but there are levels of, of delegation and, and everybody can be delegated at level one. Most people can be delegated at level two, you know, and, and, uh, eventually everybody could probably be at level four or five if they're given enough time. And lots of people can go all the way to level 10. Um, and they're all moving. They're all getting better. Their capacity is growing. So if I take this out of um, delegation out of the whole business leadership world to be able to see it in a different light so I can understand it, would it be like a child who you, you know, give a, you, you spoon feed and then you give like a little plastic spoon to eventually give (laughs) a really fat pronged plastic fork that seems kind of safe 
eventually because because they're getting older and they're not stabbing everybody with the plastic fork. You give them a real fork. Well, I can tell you are in in parent mode no, here. No, not at all. I'm not drawing. From- <laughs> no, that's uh, you're absolutely right. That's that's a great example. You know, um, and and uh, everybody's going to have that kind of learning curve. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you're right. You wouldn't give uh, a kid a very pointy fork off the beginning. And and here's the here's the big thing about it though is that your job is to be giving people stuff to do. You can't lock them out. You need to be delegating to them. Yeah. Because if you're walking yeah. around feeding everybody, like the, the no delegation level, you're doing too much. You need to let them eat with their hands a bit or something. You need to find something for them to do. And, and you know, in, in today's um, economy, particularly the, the psychological um, realities of the newer, younger generations, some of their greatest values is personal development. So if you're not delegating, you are, you are holding them back. You are the you are the ceiling for their growth, mm. and uh, lots of lots of the smart ones. If they're in a place where where the boss just never delegates, and and you know if they feel that they've been sidelined, you know they're they're warming up their resume. Yeah, they are. And in a market like this one, this world we're in, it's it's going to cost you a lot of money to lose that employee. Yeah, if they're if they're a clutch player. See. And give them time and they will be. So you always should be delegating to your people. Just depends on where on the spectrum it is. Yeah. Because if you just hand them something, but you haven't uh, clarified the role, the expectations, what needs to be delivered, boundaries, permissions, and accountability, and they just knock it out of the park, you still haven't won anything because that's kind of luck. It's mm. lucky that they happen to think about the project in a particular way. But sometimes you think, instead of thinking you're lucky, you're thinking, no, he's a good employee or she's a good employee. And this other person that didn't do it is a bad employee. When really you left him in the dark, it was you that were, that was the variable that changed there. Not even them. Yeah. Somebody got yeah. lucky. I've been lucky before yeah. and seen other people get unlucky. And in, uh, you know, university teaching, you have professors that don't, tell you exactly how they're going to grade. And because I, because some of the things I teach are stuff like film or like a, fi- a cl- class introduction to fine arts, I need to be so clear on how I'm going to grade them that it's, I'm not grading your drawing ability. It's an abstract sense. We're breaking these things down to techniques and things that are measurable, doable, reputable, teachable, learnable, instead of a general, you're a good artist. So here's an A. We don't need courses like that in the world. You're good at doing projects. You deserve an A. And that's what a lot of, I feel like some, some leaders do who aren't delegating yeah. because yeah. they're not setting boundaries and permissions and accountability. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're totally right. And you, you know, in university, you're, if you're smart, you will sit down with someone who's been in that class before or knows that teacher and you'll pick their brain about what this teacher is looking yeah. for. You know, so, so what are their expectations for real if they haven't made it clear? But I, I really pr- appreciated the teachers that did make it clear. But I've also seen bosses who facing unknowns would say, well, aren't you supposed to know that? Well, mm-hmm. am I? <laughs> because I think that's, that's actually your job is to tell me that stuff. I've had moments yeah. like that yeah. where a boss basically said the same thing. And they, th- but the, but the problem isn't that they, 
we all make mistakes. That's not the problem. We all get in those kind of situations. The problem is, is how they dealt with it was their reaction was to shift it. And, and it's not even about my loss then it's about their loss. So Hmm. yeah, because it's about us as leaders, it's not about picking on our bosses or even picking on our clients, right? (laughs) It's about us and, and making sure that we're, that we want like a teacher should want their student to do well. And you could argue for different reasons that it's good for your career if your students do well. But uh, for, as a boss, you for sure, you, I mean, your business depends on your employees doing well. So responding to them and, and having an either or attitude and saying, well, you should know. Uh, and, and you should know is even different than, than a, a positive hole where you say, listen, I, I want to give you a project and give you complete and set the boundaries as being, you can do it however you want it done. I just want the end result done. It's like, there's, Hmm. there's a way of, there's a way of communicating clearly that you're giving a person an open field and that you just want to see the end result that is on the delegation spectrum. And that is a test you might, somebody might be ready for. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If you're doing that with somebody and you haven't scaled up and done all the little delegations, then it's a lot to ask. But it is. But if you clearly say, I'm giving you a whole, like I'm, I'm giving this to you. And it's same thing with dealing with problems where if you don't, if you fire somebody before you've said, well, these are the three things you need to do better or you're getting fired, then you've probably fired wrong and lost somebody that could have been great. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. You know, as you were describing this, there's um, there's two things I want to pick up Please. on. Um, one uh, is, is the fatigue that I think a lot of managers feel. Mm. Um, you know, when you're dealing with somebody and you, you, you know, on the inside, you're rolling your eyes and saying, really this again, I thought, you know, I thought we were past this or I thought I was clear. Um, I think two things, one, uh, going back to what we talked at the beginning of the podcast, when your inner life is somewhat empty, you know, if you haven't been refreshing, whatever it is inside of you that, that refreshes your soul, then just like that, that quote that I, I said, your outer life develops a degree of apathy. And I think that that happens when, when, you, when your resources are somewhat low emotionally. When somebody comes to you and you're frustrated again, here they are, you know, they're just not picking this up right. Mm. You're going to be apathetic when it comes to um, developing them. Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, no, for, forget it. I'll just take care of it myself. Mm. You know, and, 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 and you just want to kind of push them away. And it calls the same way that it calls for the patience of a parent. Mm. It calls for the patience of a good manager to just continue to go back and train and work and develop and, and stretch them, you know, with, with uh, an attitude that says, I believe in you and then and you're going to go somewhere. Um, but the second thing is this, um, uh, when I've worked on this with clients, uh, a common thing after they've done it for half a year or more, they see some significant growth for a while, but then they start bumping into something where, um, where people, certain people seem to be not catching it even after the second time or the third time that they've gone through it to clarify. And that's, that's a really important piece here. You, you go through in a conversation with them to clarify it. You might have to do that again, touch base again, two days later and clarify it again, you know, and repeat it. I don't know if you're like me, but I need to hear things two or three times. Mm. I need to say it. Um, and, and in those kind of situations, it's really critical. You need to have it written down. Mm. For me, I'm a reader. We've talked about that. I'm a, I'm a reader as opposed to a listener. 
you know, and I, I, information for some reason sticks better when it goes through my eyes. Yeah. Um, but if you get to a point that you have had this conversation over and over again, you have been rock solid clear, both verbally and in written form, and they have said it back to you, you know, the way, the way you, when you give orders, uh, on the fire, the firegrounds where you say, you know, I need you to vent that roof. Mm. And the other firefighter says, Roger, you want me to vent that roof? Okay. When that, when that kind of clarity is there and they're still not delivering, then you've got something else going on and you need to start having some critical conversations with them about performance. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to have those performance conversations until you have first made sure that it isn't a communication problem. That's exactly what I was going to say that too many times we jump to performance when we, there was no permissions given or no accountability yeah. laid or things were yeah. left unclear. And, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's where, you know, like in my own recent needing to like, uh, needing to needing to change my delegation um, and with some learning to do in my new context, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of fatigue involved because, you know, uh, Creech League, we, we, as a marketing and media company, we compete on quality, depth of insight, a lot of things that take a lot of emotional energy and it just takes a lot out of us. And because we, so there's a lot expected and where there's mm. a lot expected clarity and just running through the spectrum of delegation um, and, and making sure that uh, seeing and seeing places where that fatigue was making me less clear and more magical mm. in my expectations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll wave my magic delegation wand and poof, it'll be perfect. You, you start seeing, well, how am I setting them up? How are they feeling? Am I mm-hmm. setting them up well? And, and you instantly can, you instantly start to see places where, uh, where you're, you're not offloading enough stuff. Yeah. It's both the courage to face the problem, but the courage to, but the energy to face it well and to lead people through it, not to, um, bark and bite and yeah I, you know i like to think of it like a hockey player making a pass mm. like there's there's two ways to make a pass i mean there's probably more but I'll, I'll just, for, for sake of argument for today's conversation there's two ways one way is uh where your head is down in the corner and uh you, there's two defensemen coming at you and you just dump it kind of towards someone with the same colors as you <laughs> expecting, you know, and hoping that they're going to take care of it because you got to get out of there because, you know, it's just that I don't want to do this and get a, get rid of the puck before I get hit, you know? Mm. Um, and the other is like Wayne Gretzky behind behind the net. You know, when he's, when he's set up there, he's got his head up, he's looking, and he's looking for someone to pass to who's driving to the net, and he's looking for someone to set up for a goal, mm-hmm. you know, to win. And, and he's going to want to put it right on their stick in a perfect spot. Um and uh, I think that's that's way too often. It's the, it's the first one that we're often doing. I just can't deal with this right now. I just got to dump it off quick. Mm. Uh, you know, as opposed to really setting someone up for for success. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good picture. We do have a resource for them. 
for the peoples, yeah, for the the crowds. Is it, whose turn is it? Mine or yours? I think we I think we both want the same resource in the end. <laughs> yeah, and and well, and this one is one that we're developing uh, based on this whole conversation. Yeah. So we'll have it up on the website, and uh, probably my guess is we'll also have it on the side that it'll always be available, not just necessarily with this one podcast. Yeah, it'll be just available on the website. And and it's a delegation template. Mm. The idea here is that you're able to, um, with, with every time you're giving a project, um, if you think of this, this template, um, it will ask you the questions that clarify, you know, roles, deliverables, boundaries, permissions, accountabilities. Um, and you want to work through each one of those for every project that you give. Now, some can be quite fast. Some you might want to take quite a while at. Um, but then it also will include um, this, this thing we were talking about, the delegation spectrum which helps get you out of the either or thinking. Yeah. And, and, and what you can do is you can look at what is listed uh, for each of the, the levels. So the first level in, in the beginning, it'll be things like, you know, where you say to the person, do exactly what I tell you. That's level one. Whereas you start to get up to level three and it's saying, you go in and figure out what's going on and then we'll decide together what, you're, what you need to do. You start to get up higher and you're starting to say to this individual, you figure out what's going on, then come with a recommendation. And I'll tell you yes or no on that recommendation. Mm-hmm. So at, at, each, at each level, you're pushing them to do a little bit more. Not, are, not only are they figuring out what to, what's going on, but they're also trying to make decisions on what to do. When you get up to the, to the higher levels of the, of the spectrum, you're, you're saying to them, you decide what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You don't need me. Uh, and you don't need to check back with me either. Or maybe, maybe you know, I want you to check back, but I just tell me what you did. Um, but I don't need to give you permission. You've got permission to give yourself permission. Um, and so what, what I recommend you do mm. is that you have this delegation template on your desk. And when you're working with somebody, naturally you're going to have an unconscious category that you've put them in. Like you may spend time with this person, you think they're a four. Hmm. And I would encourage you to, whenever you're making a decision with them or working on this, try and nudge them up in your own view of them, but also in their own view of themselves, nudge them up to a five, nudge them up one level higher. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that they have more capability than you ever thought. Because you probably know what this is like. You, you see somebody in your work and you, know, you may think they're a three or a two. Um, they just don't seem to have the... The, the mojo or the magic but then you see them in a different context like maybe they're the president of the soccer association for your town and they are very capable of making things happen and I think quite often it's because they just haven't felt the permission or they haven't been nudged in this other context exactly so yeah so use that you can check it out on our website the delegation template I'd like to hear what uh, other people have to say about mm-hmm. it when you see it yeah, and a reminder that as you nudge them up to make sure you're following up your, with those permissions and boundaries and clear expectations in general. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. most of the time we're the difference that matters for others. Definitely. So there you are. We're getting to the end of our time here. So as a bit of a summary... We have talked through the idea of delegation, how it helps for scaling and developing others, testing, confirming uh, your employees. 
this is a critical part of leadership. This is like one of your essential roles if you're a leader in any way, shape or form when you say, Scott. Yeah. Well, and, and like I said before, um, I think this is where if you want to talk leadership development, mm-hmm. this is low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of return on investment if you work on this one piece here. I like low hanging fruit because I'm short. <laughs> I'm actually not even short, but you know, it was funny in my head. It's easy. <laughs> Excuses for not delegating. We talked about how it's easier to do it by myself. It's not done yeah. to my standards. They're not ready. Or if I'm a really good person, I might think that it's crappy or boring work. So I don't want to give it to them. Yeah. And yeah. I guess I, I, I'm not one of those nice people, but I know nice people like that. <laughs> <laughs> But really, when you have unclear roles, when you don't, when you have unclear expectations to, or unclear deliverables, unclear boundaries, permissions, unclear accountability, that all is gonna, that all is a recipe for failure. Even if they succeed at, in the project or whatever that, whatever it is, because you haven't, conf, you haven't confirmed important trust in them, um, and, and that if if you're looking for ways to diagnose, and this is even me as I figure out what is. What does delegation look like in my new context in such a startup context? Um, running through these permissions, boundaries, accountability, that's, it's very helpful. It exposes my problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest problem being that binary right. thinking. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is, it does relate to f- fatigue with me for sure. It's like you get tired or you. Yeah. I like Jung said that, uh, most of us are too lazy to think, and that's why we judge. <laughs> well put. Yeah, no, that, uh, I think you summed it up well. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this week. You can find Scott at advancedleadership.biz. I am at thecreech on Twitter, and you can find me at thecreechleague.com or tonycreech.net. Please send in all your comments, questions, and follow-up, maybe some stories even. You'll see the contact form on leader.fm. It's not just a show name, it's a website. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes so you can share the love around. Thanks again, both of our companies, uh, Advanced Leadership and The Creech League for lending us to spend some time on this show. Thank you, Dr. Scott, for joining me as well. It was a ball. You betcha. And to everybody listening, I'll leave you with this. How are you going to take some of these ideas on delegation and some of the tools like the delegation spectrum to leverage your leadership to the next level this week?